What if you knew your animal better than anyone else, including your vet? What if you knew where to go for information covering a variety of different topics that allow you to choose the care you would like for the furry member of the family? What if this information can be found with even more ease than ever before? Get ready to listen, share, and question what animal care used to be and where it can go. Now, here's the host of Dr. Andy's Animal Magic Radio Show, certified animal chiropractor, Dr. Andy Harper. Welcome, welcome to Dr. Andy's Animal Magic Radio Show with me, Dr. Andy Harper, as your host. And I am here today to empower you to know what you know about your animal. So it is June 22nd, 2015, um, already summer and hot here in Colorado. Um, let me tell you a little bit about me. Um, if you're a first-time listener, I am a doctor of chiropractic. I'm a certified animal chiropractor, an access consciousness facilitator, and an energetic magic with animals practitioner. Um, if you missed last week's show, we did talk with Alicia Evans. Um, she is the inventor of the Walk and Sync Humane Dog Walking and Training System. Uh, she has a harness you can purchase, uh, training steps of training you can gather. She wrote a book. You can check her out at Walk and Sync. You can listen to the whole show packed full of information about how to be really clear energetically with your animal, mainly dogs, obviously. Um, harnesses are made for them. But how to be clear energetically when you're actually asking them to do something. So that was that was some fun information in there. And today... We're going to talk about um, vaccinations. The title is The Magic of Vaccinations. I'm, I'm not sure where the title came from. Um, I don't necessarily um, have the point of view that vaccinations are magical. But Dr. Judy Jasek is going to break down um, what they are, what they do. Do your animals need them? How much do they need? Um, can you over-vaccinate? Um, are there dangers to doing the regular vaccination protocol? Uh, do we have alternatives out there? You know, what's required by law? Um, is there a way to test um, the protection of your animal without maybe doing a vaccination? We're going to go through a lot of details. This is actually a show I wanted to do when I first um, got on the air, which is almost a year ago, and it's just now happening. So um, how does it get any better than that? I am so excited. Um, so throughout this hour, I invite you to ask all your questions about vaccinations um, and share your animal stories um, and join us on this radio adventure. You can reach us in a variety of ways. You can call them in at 815-880-8255 in the U.S., 613-800-8736 in Canada, 033-0001-0625, and our lovely producers will be answering the phone lines and getting you all set up to ask your questions. You can always Skype them in at a2zen.fm. Chat them in is kind of, I'm going to use, you know, the funnest way to do it. So if you go to www.a2zen.fm, along the top, choose chat room, follow those directions, and you can actually see some of the conversations that maybe don't even make it to the air. So you can listen, chat in a question, um, and see how much um, fun we have behind the scenes. So we, before we meet our guest, let's expand out as big as the room you're in, as big as the town, as big as the country, as big as the world, all directions, forward, back, down, up, all sides, and as big as the universe. Ah, ask all of our animals to join us. And what would the animals like the world to know? 
So Dr. Judy and Dr. Judy Jasek graduated from the Colorado State University Veterinary School in 1988. Afterwards, she worked in Idaho and Utah before returning to Colorado in 2001. She has owned her current practice since 2003, which I didn't even know. Um, that's a long time now. Um, although trained in traditional medicine, um, as all veterinarians are, Dr. Judy developed her own interest in holistic care for pets. And this has become the foundational philosophy for her practice. Her practice model is based on supporting the inherent healing ability of the body rather than suppressing disease. Her primary approach is appropriate nutrition, reducing toxins, providing holistic support through homeopathy, herbs, flower essences, acupuncture, and ozone therapy. Hello, Dr. Judy. How are you today? Hello, and I just realized I didn't mention chiropractic care, but I am actually a big proponent of chiropractic care. <laughs> yes, well. you are. <laughs> yes, you to, are. Did not mean to, did not mean to um, leave that out. So. Oh no. Um, yeah, I'm I'm doing very well, and um, I really appreciate um, being here. I think there's a lot of um, information out there about um, vaccines, and and I a lot that I. I, th I feel like people need to need to know, and I feel like there's a lot of, um, well, I guess there's a lot of information that people don't get, um, and I agree with your sentiment. And I, I also do not feel that uh, vaccines are magic. I think they can actually do um, quite a bit of harm if used inappropriately in animals. Yeah, and I, yeah, like you said, I think there's a lot of misinformation, very little information. Um, it's something that people just do without asking any questions about. Um, so I, I, like I said, I've been, uh, would wanted this information out into the world for a long time. So I'm so excited that you're here finally. So we're going to start with a basic question. What is a vaccination? So a vaccination basically um, takes some form of the disease causing organisms. So say it's a virus and we can use, you know, parvo, for example, because that's a common one. So they will take the parvovirus and they will modify it so that it cannot cause disease. And there's two basic forms, either killing the virus completely or modifying it by usually now taking a, a certain protein component so that when it's put in the body, it's still going to stimulate the antibody response as would actual exposure to the, to the virus, to the organism, but without actually causing the disease. And that's basically what, what vaccines are designed to do. Awesome. Um, so you mentioned Parvo. Um, I think people are familiar with that. What are the, let's say I, I was try I was working on the show yesterday. I'm like, okay, how do we want to get as much information out there as clear as possible? Do we, let's start with, let's start with puppies and then we'll move up. Well, you know, and so, what are the basic vaccinations for puppies? Let's just start there. Well, the, probably the two fundamental parvo or, or puppy diseases are parvo. Parvo and distemper are probably the two. And I think, I think one a really important thing about vaccines is they're, they're not benign, you know, so we don't just throw as many vaccines as an, at an animal as we can just because they're available. And I feel like that's done, it's done that way in a lot of cases. Um, it's like, well, they're there, so let's just give them everything we can. And I think we need to look at, you know, what is a puppy's actual risk of exposure? You know, a, a puppy that stays primarily indoors is going to have much less exposure than, you know, a dog that's 
out and about or, you know, ultimately, say, a hunting dog or something like that. Um, so those are the two key diseases that I vaccinate young puppies against. Um, I don't, there, there's big, huge combination shots out there that I I don't do. And, and I also want to mention that I do based on what I know occurs where I practice. So in different areas of the country and different parts of the world, if certain diseases are more prevalent, then the recommendations may change. I just know what I see in, in Colorado, and so my recommendations are, are based on that. I am a firm believer that it's important not to vaccinate puppies too early. Um, the, the mother dog um, passes on antibodies from her exposure to life and any vaccine she's had to the puppy, and we don't know exactly when those antibodies go away, and that's something that's that's always debated. But do they, you know, the current school of thought is somewhere between 8 and 12 weeks, those antibodies go away. Well, if you vaccinate a puppy at 5 or 6 weeks, which I see done all the time, those vaccines really aren't doing the puppy much good because the the antibodies are still there. So, A, they're still protected by the mother's antibodies, and the antibodies can actually neutralize some of those vaccine components. Plus, in a very young puppy, vaccines stimulate the immune system, and their immune systems are just trying to, you know, get a get a handle on the world. You know, they've only been out in the world for six weeks, and their immune system is just trying to, like, get a handle on what is out there and how do we react, and it's still developing, and then you hit it with these vaccines, and it kind of can throw the immune system haywire. Um, so I think it's really important to wait. I like to wait till they're a little older, at least 10 weeks of age, before starting, you know, puppy on vaccines. So there's a, so if we follow your protocol, it's 10 weeks, and then is there one or two more doses? I did a little bit of research, and I, I'm a, I'm a little actually confused. Well, I actually, and, and you know, I'll, I'll just admit that what I do is probably not standard protocol by anybody else's way of practicing. Um, because I'm very much a minimalist when it comes in it comes to vaccines. I, I feel like they're way overused, and I don't feel like if, pup, if puppies respond to a vaccine appropriately, they don't even need booster shots. Okay. I have given puppies ten, like one vaccine at 10 and 12 weeks, and what I do is I give um, parvillin distemper singularly, so I have them as their own vaccines. I'm not giving a combination shot. So I only give one component at a time, which is much safer. So I'll at different Parvo visits, then, right? At different visits, right. Yeah. So I'll give Parvo, yeah. and then about 10, 10 to 14 days later, I'll give okay. December. And I have had people come in that we do this protocol. We give one vaccine. We'll check in about maybe four to six weeks. We do a titer. And so a titer is where we measure the antibody levels. So we're just we're looking in to see, did that puppy respond to that vaccine? Did it build antibodies against these diseases? If it built antibodies against those diseases, well, then we don't need to do more vaccines. You know, there, there are some puppies that don't respond. You know, there are mm -hmm. some true non-responders, and that's why if you're not going to do a booster, the titer is very important. We don't ever want to just assume that that one vaccine is protective, but because I do do titers in my practice, and i been following out some dogs now, even into adulthood. I have seen puppies that have that one vaccine, 
and we'll titer them at two and three years of age, and they still have those antibodies. They they don't, in, in an otherwise healthy individual, so an animal with a healthy immune system, those antibodies don't go away. So really, you can protect a puppy with vaccines with just one vaccine. So how cool is that? And possibly for life. Yeah, I think it's, possibly. I think it's way cool. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's it's important to understand, you know, this is, this is immunology, you know, this isn't just, oh, we don't want to vaccinate. This is once those antibodies are there, there's a cellular memory in the body and those cells, even though the cells die off and, and replicate in the body, they will pass that information on and that ability to um, to respond and protect the body against disease. And, and I think the other thing, you know, to realize the reality is most of the the research, so yet they think, oh, we got to give three, four booster shots. Mm-hmm. Well, this research is done by the companies that make the vaccine. So, you know, absolutely. I, I feel like we can assume a bit of bias there. That they're, well, they're and in the it, business it, of selling vaccines. And it's also supported by the associations that want to keep everybody in business, too. So, yeah, I mean, medicine is big business. So, I, you know, I always remind right. people of that when they're asking their questions and where the information is coming from. Um, right. And, and then, I'd also like, I'd also like to add, and you know, we're talking about vaccines, nutrition is a whole other topic, but I just want to put out there too that it's also very important using these protocols that dogs are on healthy, species-appropriate diets, and that's a whole other topic. But you know, if we're going to yeah. do one vaccine and we're feeding a diet that's malnourishing the dog, well, that's a whole different scenario. We might not get this this kind of response. So, diet is. is super important. Diet is huge. And and the other component of vaccinations, and like you said, immunology, that people tend to forget even with their own children or themselves is I need to, I need these vaccines. They told me I need them is your body actually has an immune system. If it's fed properly, if you're in good health, if you get the proper nutrition that can fight off disease, you know, even if they, you know, the, you know, when they need it. You know, so, you know, the vaccines are nice and required. And like you said, sometimes they're required in different states. And we are talking about Colorado. That's what we're familiar with. Um, But, you know, if you are fed properly and you get exercise, your immune system should actually work, too, (laughs) to fight off disease. I I will, you know, I've been practicing a long time. I mean, I'm going on, you know, pushing 30 years of doing what I do. And so I've and I've started out practicing in the paradigm where you give, you know, you give vaccines every year and then, you know, then we were told, well, you don't need to give them, you know, you can give them every three years and then through my own transition and belief that, okay, I just don't think this is, this just doesn't make sense. You know, this is the whole paradigm of veterinary medicine is becoming based on just vaccinating, which I think to a large degree it is in some cases. But through my own learning, I've made this transition and, I've backed off so much on the amount that I'm vaccinating. I don't see pets getting sicker. I see them getting healthier. They don't have, mm-hmm. they have less skin disease and fewer ear infections. And and I can say um, one of my own personal dogs that I take to work every day with me, I did not give her a puppy shot because I'm, I'm actually a believer that overall, I think overall in the dog population, and this is a pretty big statement, but I think if they, if, their pet populations were fed better and vaccinated less. I think overall they'd be way healthier. I don't think it, I don't think the vaccines are keeping them 
healthy. I think there there is a safety factor, and I think they do work. But I think there's mm-hmm. also a lot of um, vaccine-related disease. But anyway, my own dog that I take to work with me, I did not do any vaccines. She got exposed to Parvo. She actually got Parvo, but she had such a mild case that I almost didn't test her for it. I mean, she had a little bit of diarrhea and vomited a few times. Well, I'll speak to that. <laughs> but I had had a, a puppy with Parvo in the clinic, so I knew there was a chance for exposure, but I better test her. Strong positive. And she had such a mild case, it was almost insignificant. So I look at that like, okay, I didn't vaccinate her. She got the disease, but her immune system handled it just fine. And she was on a raw mm-hmm. diet, and she was on a healthy diet, was otherwise healthy. So I look at that, and I say exactly what you just said. Yeah. Do we have to be so paranoid about disease that that our whole paradigm of health is just pumping animals, you know, full of vaccines. And I don't think that's where the um, the emphasis should be. I think it's actually a detriment. I agree. Um, <laughs> we are late for our break. Let's take a break and come back because there's so much information here. Thank you, Dr. Judy. You're welcome. Many of us make choices on how to care for our animals based on how it has been done in the past or what others have always done. What would it look like to choose what your pet requires, which may be very different from what others would choose? By tuning into Dr. Andy's Animal Magic Radio Show with certified animal chiropractor, Dr. Andy Harper, you'll receive information and options you never even knew existed to improve your relationship with animals in your life. Listen to Dr. Andy's Animal Magic Radio Show every Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 p.m. Central Time, 11 a.m. Mountain Time, and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on atizen.fm. This is Dr. Andy's Animal Magic Radio Show with certified animal chiropractor, Dr. Andy Harper, or more well-known as the Energy Wizard. To participate in the program today, please call us in the U.S. at 815-880-8255. That's 815-880-TALK. Or in Canada, 613-800-8736. Or you can Skype us at adazen.fm. You can also ask a question by sending an email to drandy at harpersridge.com. So welcome forward. Thank you for joining me today in Dr. Andy's Animal Magic Radio Show. And again, I invite you to join me and my guest, Dr. Judy Jasek, holistic veterinarian in Colorado. Um, check out how easy it is to chat in your question live at www.a2zen.fm. Click on chat room, follow the directions. You can always email me directly at Dr. Andy at Harper's Ridge. You can get a hold of Judy, Dr. Judy, at her office at 303. 303- Eight seven five zero five three zero. I think you'll actually get the front desk, and then you can <laughs> then maybe set up some time with Dr. Judy. Um, her email is j j a s e k d v m at gmail dot com. Her website is drjudyholisticvet.com and bellevueanimalclinic.com. Check out both those web pages. Okay, I you were talking about your own animal that you didn't vaccinate and. You, Remember Molly Brown that came into your office? Dr. Judy and I used to work yeah. together, I like, for six years. Mm-hmm. Well, she came in. Mm-hmm. Um, she was actually thrown in the trash. Um, some little girl found her, brought her in, had no idea. She was, I don't know, six weeks, eight weeks old. Who knows? And she ended up living with me. And then by the time I brought her back into your office to get spayed, it didn't even dawn on me that she, we never gave her any vaccinations. <laughs> right. 
Right? And I took her. And we don't do it when she's sick, yeah. Right. And I took her all over. We went to agility trials. We. We were in your clinic a lot. I mean, she was exposed, but she was also raw fed. And it didn't even, it actually did not even cross my mind until I brought her back into be spayed. She still actually hasn't had a vaccination. Yeah, um, right. She, so. Yeah, so. <laughs> so just, those are just examples. Obviously, ask questions of your regular vet. Um, ask questions of Dr. Judy if you, you know, have more information. Um yeah, so, and you just mentioned there, um, giving them when they're not well. Like, Molly came in not well. And I always tell people, if you if you really feel the need to do vaccinations, and some still do, and, and that's fine, um, make sure your animal's 110%. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, and vaccines are actually labeled that way, that they should only be given to healthy animals. And I see... I see people come in all the time where they've taken their pet in because it's sick, and oh, while they're there, they get they get mm-hmm. vaccines, and that's that's actually going against the, the labeled instructions on on the vaccine. Um, and I think it, it can really make any sort of um, you know disease condition, inflammatory condition, so much worse. And well, in it- Colorado, um, just I don't know if people are aware of this, but for rabies, which, you know, and and by the way, you know, rabies is required by law, so I'm not encouraging anybody to not follow rules and regulations. Rabies is the only vaccine that's actually required by law. The rest are just, you know, up to you and and what you feel is um, best for your pet. But the state of Colorado does allow us to write a rabies exemption. So if there is any medical condition that your pet has and say it's due for its rabies shot, um, this is an official state form that, that your veterinarian can sign saying that we're not doing the rabies at this time just because the pet is ill and, you know, we might do it later on down the road, but it at least shows you were diligent and had your pet into the vet and there was a decision not to do the vaccine. Yeah, awesome information. And I remind people that all the time that the bat in the state of Colorado, rabies is the only one required by law. Uh, and... and most people don't even know that. They think it's all required, and this is what the vet says. Um, and so a lot of times I'm just getting them to ask more questions about what is required. And like you said, if you have pets staying in the house most of the time and you go for just walks in a certain area, that's one thing. If you're doing agility trials, going to dog parks, traveling to different states, you need to look at what else is out there and what else may be required. Um, if you're boarding your animal, you're not getting out of Bordetella. Right. Um, it's just that is required to board your animals. So you might need to look at other options if you don't want to do that vaccine. Um, so all, all of that. Um, I had a, I had a question. We're going to go back to Parvo really quick. There was a question in the chat room here. Um, Shauna asks, is it true that a dog that had, that had Parvo as a puppy is now a carrier? It's not really No, not a carrier but. in the sense that they can transmit the disease. They will have, and immunity. Like I've done a titer on my dog that had parvo and has had no vaccines, and she has a super high parvo titer. So she has antibodies because she was exposed. She had natural exposure. So they will they will actually have an immunity. That's like giving the vaccine, just that they you know have gotten the disease. But they will not if, if by being a carrier she's asking you know can they transmit it? No, they cannot. Yeah. Once once they're healed and the virus is out of their system, they cannot transmit it. 
It's kind of like when, if we ever had chicken pox as a kid, you now have an immunity, but you're not yeah. giving it to everybody that you walk by. So, right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Keisha, wanted to, she just had a statement. She's like, when you were talking about um, titering and, and, and going from there to see if the antibodies were present, she said this method is so much more considerate of what actually works for each animal's body. And she loves that. So it is. It's more of asking the animal, what, what does your body require? So how cool is right. that? Yeah, and I think it's important to, to recognize that every animal is an individual and every system or every, every um, you know, every lifestyle, every, you know, situation is different. And I think we need to look at animals as as individuals. You know, house dogs, you know, spend most of their time inside and it's not going to be exposed to that much as, as we've already talked about. So I think you need to look at, at the whole situation. And, and as you mentioned, travel, you know, different things are required in different areas and and um, for travel like rabies is an absolute requirement you know um, for for transport legally all animals have to have a, a current rabies vaccine so that it does become you know important that people no matter how they feel about giving vaccines that they check into rules and regulations because sometimes there's just no way around those um, yeah yeah, and that's and there are regulations that you you'll have to abide by. Now, if you have to do a vaccine, but and you 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 really don't want to, but it's required, how can you avoid some of the side effects with that? Um, you use homeopathy in your practice. How do you utilize that with vaccinations? Well, for for rabies, for example, I actually have a homeopathic remedy called Lysin, and that's. L-Y-S-S-I-N, if anybody wants to look it up. Um, and this actually would be a homeopathic treatment for rabies, the disease. Like, say, you have a disease, an animal had it, and you were treating it homeopathically. This would be one of the remedies used. But we give it after the vaccine um, just to help the body. It doesn't stop the body from responding to the vaccine or building the antibodies, but it just helps the body process the vaccine and and eliminate the components that get stuck. When What happens with vaccines and the reason that we end up with vaccine-related diseases or vaccinosis, as we call it, is giving a vaccine, giving these, like a viral component um, through a vaccine, we're not giving it through a normal route of exposure. So, say, rabies would normally come from a bite. So it goes in through the tissue and it gets on the nerves and it spreads up to the spinal cord. But we're just taking this virus and injecting it. And the body, like, looks at it like, wow, what the heck do I do with this? Because there's a, there's a normal process the immune system goes through when it's exposed to a pathogen, a virus or bacteria or, you know, anything that can cause disease. And when that process isn't, you know, able to run its normal course, it kind of goes out of whack and doesn't know. And sometimes the immune system just can't eliminate these vaccine components from the body. The body builds the antibodies, but then the body's like, okay, I got this stuff and I don't know what to do with it because this isn't the normal way we're supposed to be exposed. So it gets stuck. And as it tries to eliminate it, we see inflammatory disease. So we see skin disease because the body's reacting, trying to clear this, and it tries to clear through the skin. So we get itchy skin. I see so many puppies that are just super itchy. Well, they just had all these vaccines, and I believe that's 
a big reason for mm-hmm. it. For chronic intestinal disease, any chronic inflammatory disease, I believe can be can be related to to vaccines. So what the what the homeopathy does is it just helps the body deal with these vaccine components. And in, and for like parvo and distemper, you know, the other shots I have um, a detox protocol that has a, a variety of different remedies in it that does the same thing. It just helps the body kind of keep from getting stuck and move these things out and, and detox. You know, there's also toxic components in in vaccines. They're, you know, they still put mercury in vaccines. And, um, and, you know, you mentioned before about people asking questions, and I think that's huge. I mean, I think people should go in and ask their veterinarian, have you read the label on this vaccine you're going to give my pet, and do you know what's in it? Because I would venture to bet that the majority of them had not. Um, there's actually only two rabies vaccines out there that don't have mercury in them, and they're not. It's not actually listed on the package insert. You have to go online and look at the material data safety sheet. You, know, you have to get a little more detailed because it's in such a small amount. They don't have to put it in the package insert. But it's still there. But you know, mm-hmm. I think we should be informed and know what we're giving our pups. If we're giving them a vaccine with mercury in it, you know, we should know that. And there's only a couple out there that don't don't contain mercury. And I think um, I think a lot of times people assume that their veterinarian is you know well, maybe a little more aware of what they're giving their pets. And I'm not you know trying to be judgmental. I just know it's you're in practice and, and, and you're busy and this is the way you've been taught to do things and the vaccines are just given without really completely knowing, I think, exactly what we're putting into the animal's bodies. Yeah, so do you do you know? I know in human vaccinations they've pulled all the mercury. They cannot make any more vaccinations with mercury. Now, with that said, mercury is such a great preservative that whatever's still on the shelf they can use so, so I, I do yeah. think people are still getting it. Is has that regulation passed for animals, or has that changed for animals? Or no, you, are you aware? Like I said, I I know that there's okay. still I know there's still rabies vaccines out there with yeah. mercury in them, and and if they don't put mercury in, they do have to put something in as a preservative. Yeah. So there yeah. will be antibiotics. There's going to be something in there. Yeah. So. That's why I think it's just important to to be aware, um, mm-hmm. be aware of what's in there. They they can't make these vaccines without some sort of preservatives and stabilizing agents in them. So there's a lot more that goes along that goes into the animal with the um, virus or bacteria, whatever we're vaccinating against, besides just that particular component. Correct. Um, in your in, in in your years of experience, um, is the rabies vaccination the, the quote-unquote toughest on the body have you noticed i i think i find that the toughest are some of the non-viral vaccines okay. like lepto, leptovirosis Lepto. is a good example um just because i think the body reacts more to it um i think i would say as far as the viral vaccines go I've probably seen some of the most severe reactions to the rabies. And I think because it's it's a neurologic virus to begin with, um, and I I see things because I look for them. Um, I mm-hmm. look for, you know, an association between 
changes in the animal and vaccines and even things like behavioral changes. Mm-hmm. Um, dogs becoming suddenly more aggressive or are suddenly afraid of thunderstorms when they never were before. I think these things can all be related to to vaccines. Um, I, I've seen animals, you know, post-rabies um, seizure or... Um, mm-hmm autoimmune hemolytic anemia that you had that with your own dog didn't you yeah yeah dad's had yeah jack's the poodle had imha yeah yeah his whole whole body decided to eat all of his red blood cells and that was the only thing we could link it to was actually at the time before i asked any more questions was a regular the regular scheduled protocol most likely the rabies vaccination and yep. I think the other thing is, too, sometimes it's hard to know which vaccine because I think the, the, one of the biggest dangers is that typically so many are given at one time. The typical annual vaccination will have anywhere from four to six components, and then you give rabies. So you're giving, you know, six or seven different vaccine components at the same time, and the immune system goes, well, what the heck is this, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, I, I think, you know, that's why I like to at least spread them out. Like I try to never give... Um, you know, more than one vaccine at a time, if possible. Sometimes people schedules and they need to board or, you know, whatever. So we do what we need to do. But I try to spread them out because I think that's much healthier. And also, um, just to make people aware, never allow your vet to get, or your vet, your pet to get vaccinated. Um, like on the same day it has a surgery or some other procedure, especially, you know, an anesthetic procedure. Um, I see that done so much, and and I also I have a you know big question in my mind if if a lot of our quote unquote anesthetic reactions mm-hmm. are not you know due to the fact that these animals are also getting these four or five vaccines at the same time. Oh, they're laying there; they're not surprised. Great time to you know pop them full of their vaccines, and so the body is dealing with that and the anesthesia. And, and I you know really believe that that could be setting these animals up for more problems um, with anesthesia. So I think that that should never be done at the same time. That, that's, I hadn't even looked at that. Um, wow. Thank you for that information. Cause I haven't even looked at that. Cause I, and maybe that's, I don't have a lot of people reporting doing both at the same time in my clientele, but yeah, that's got to occur all the time. Cause that's just easy and they are due. Um, right. and, exactly. and sometimes that's the entire thought process behind them. Um, I have a question here from Keisha. Are more breeds reactive to certain vaccinations than others? Have you noticed? You know, I can't say that I've seen, like, specific breeds. Um, I, think it's, I think it's more genetic and certain. I mean, I see it in, like, certain lines, like certain breeding lines. So I think it's more genetic, but I can't say I've seen it in more um, in, in specific breeds. So, you know, if animals are well-bred and they're healthy and they have healthy immune systems, um, then they're going to be less likely, less likely to respond. So if, you know, so if, if certain breeds tend to be more inbred, then they might have more more of a likelihood of reaction, but I can't say I've seen more reactions in one particular breed. Cool. Um, I have another question Stephanie has here. I have heard different things about the Bordetella vaccination. Can you talk about that one a little bit more? My dog ended up with the kennel cough with 
after even having the vaccination, and how does that happen? Yeah, I don't, in my experience, the, the kennel cough vaccine really is not very protective. Um, and again, this is in Colorado. You know, every area has slightly different versions, I think, of some of these diseases. But I see the same thing all the time. I see dogs come in with, you know, coughing with, you know, the kennel cough type um, disease and they've had the vaccine. So I think it's just not very effective. Um, it's it's just required. And I actually have, um, they they uh, made a oral vaccine, which in my mind, like, I don't even know how it it could work because the vaccine components would be kind of disabled in the digestive tract. However, it allows us to say that they've had the Bordetella vaccine and get them into the yes. kennel with no, I've never seen any side effects from the vaccine. Um, I, I, my experience is just not very effective. It's just required by the kennels because, you know, of course it's devastating for any animal facility to have an infectious disease go through. Um, so they require it. So I just yeah. I do it as safely as I can so people can say that, that their pet has had the vaccine. Um, is it is it true that Bordetella can't, or not Bordetella, quote-unquote, is a virus, but kennel cough can be viral, maybe a different strain, bacterial, and so that's part of why that particular vaccine won't cover them? Right. I think, I think there's just multiple components. I mean, the mm-hmm. Bordetella vaccine is against that particular organism. And, yeah, I think there's lots of respiratory bugs out there. And so the kennel cough, I think, is this, it's more of a generic name for this, you know, your dog has a cough. And so it's more of a respiratory sort of syndrome But we don't always know exactly what bug is causing it. So they, they've developed this vaccine for this one particular organism. But, yeah, they can get respiratory disease from lots of different organisms. And I think that's exactly right. That's that's why it doesn't work. It's just that that's the one that's been tagged. Just, you know, at one point it probably was more prevalent and probably was the cause of more of this type of disease in dogs. So that's that's why that vaccine was developed. I think there's probably so many bugs out there. They just couldn't they just couldn't develop, you know, enough vaccines to cover them all. And the reality is, you know, that type of disease, it's like you or I getting a cough or cold. And I say, mm-hmm. you know, let your pet get it and build a natural immunity. They're going to be so much better off than giving them the vaccine because when, when you know, an animal actually gets a disease, gets sick, and their body processes it, again, through the normal, you know, um, normal track of the immune system, the immune system becomes stronger and has a greater ability to fight disease. This artificial building of antibodies with vaccines, I think over time, actually can can drag the immune system down and make them more susceptible to to disease. Absolutely. Awesome. It's, it's well, different. We're... You know, it's different for life-threatening diseases. Like parvo in young puppies can be life-threatening. Distemper mm-hmm. can be life-threatening. So that's one of the reasons why, you know, I might be a little more inclined to protect puppies against those. Things like abortatella or not. It, you know, in the rare case, they can develop into a, a pneumonia. But... That's extremely rare, and that's, again, an in, in immune-compromised individual. Right. That's also, yeah, you're already, quote-unquote, sick dog or old dog or, or something else going on where the immune system isn't functioning like it should. Right. Yeah. It all comes back if you have an immune system. <laughs> you, sh- you know, you right. can fight these things off and gain natural immunity. So yeah, let's absolutely. Take, let's take one more break, and then let's talk about distemper a little bit when we come on back. 
Okay. Many of us make choices on how to care for our animals based on how it has been done in the past or what others have always done. What would it look like to choose what your pet requires, which may be very different from what others would choose? By tuning into Dr. Andy's Animal Magic Radio Show with certified animal chiropractor Dr. Andy Harper, you'll receive information and options you never even knew existed to improve your relationship with animals in your life. Listen to Dr. Andy's Animal Magic Radio Show every Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 p.m. Central Time, 11 a.m. Mountain Time, and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on atizen.fm. This is Dr. Andy's Animal Magic Radio Show with certified animal chiropractor Dr. Andy Harper, or more well-known as the Energy Wizard. To participate in the program today, please call us in the U.S. at 815-880-8255. That's 815-880-TALK. Or in Canada, 613-800-8736. Or you can Skype us at adazen.fm. You can also ask a question by sending an email to drandy at harpersridge.com. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Dr. Andy's Animal Magic Radio Show. Um, we are involved in an awesome conversation with Dr. Judy Jasek, holistic veterinarian in Colorado. Her clinic is the Bellevue Animal Clinic. You can find her at thebellevueanimalclinic.com and drjudyholisticvet.com. Um, her office number is 303-875-0530. Um, if you have any questions or want to set up some time with her after the show, just a quick reminder this Tuesday, which is tomorrow here in Denver, June 23rd, we're going to do a Beyond Training Intro Night with Godsey, the program director of Talk to the Animals for Access Consciousness. It's 7 to 8.30. It's $35. Go to accessconsciousness.com, register, and that will be at my office in Denver. So come on down for that. And then next week, um, we are going to talk more about nutrition with Chelsea Kent, owner of Heroes Pets. Um, We're going to talk about skin dogs. So we might have a little more vaccination information there and some nutrition information on um, what can support that and your dog. Um, Okay, so there's a question here, and I think we're going to hit the last part of it, is how many vaccines are there and what are they? So we've mentioned parvo, we mentioned rabies, we went over bordetella. There's the other two that common in Colorado is lepto, leptosporosis, the lepto um, vaccine, distemper, I was I was doing some research and poking around. I actually wanted to see what um, Banfield's optimum wellness plan was, and they had Lyme disease on there, and I think that was it. But we actually don't have Lyme's disease here that I'm aware of um, commonly. So let's talk about distemper and a little bit more about lepto um, for everybody. What is distemper? So distemper is a virus that, and actually when, when dogs get distemper, it has a high mortality rate. That means that a lot of them die from it. It's, um, there's, there's only um, a small percentage of dogs that actually survive distemper, and it takes a great deal of, of supportive care um, to get them through that. It affects many systems in the body. It affects the, the nervous system. Um, dogs that, that do survive distemper oftentimes will have like muscle ticks, like you'll look at them and their muscles will like continually twitch and um, it affects the respiratory system, the intestinals, 
the intestinal system. Um, it's it's quite a devastating disease. Now, in this area, I mean, I haven't seen a case in practice in, in the whole time I've been in Denver, and that's, okay. you know, going on like 15 years now. Now, I have worked in other areas. Um, I've worked in, in rural areas in Idaho and Utah where <clears throat> distemper was just rampant. You saw it all the time. So in an area like that, you know, I, I might vary my vaccine recommendations a bit. I mean, you know, you want to make sure that, that puppies are protected. And, you know, we talked about in this area, you know, could a typical house pet in Denver not get a distemper vaccine and be fine? Yeah, probably. Now, if you're in an area where the disease is much more prevalent, you know, you, you need to, to look at um, individual scenarios because it it is probably – and probably distemper and rabies, if the animals do get those diseases, are probably the, t- the two most deadly because they're almost um, almost always fatal. Yes, awesome. Um, and leptospirosis. I, uh, <laughs> lepto, it, lepto is, I have some vets that are like everyone needs lepto, and some that are like eh, and and. I'm, I'm granted my group of animals that have had it, like my experience with it is very minimal, but everyone that I know that has gotten the vaccination has also gotten lepto, maybe at a lesser degree, but what, what is your experience with lepto? See, I, I don't give the lepto vaccine. And the reason I don't is because, so lepto is not a virus. It's a, it's a, it's not really a bacteria either. It's sort of a spirochete. It's, different type of organism. Um, there's many different varieties of lepto. Say, that's why it's hard to vaccinate against. Exactly. So okay. any vaccine is only going to cover four or five of them. Um, and, they, and the vaccine companies will tell you that even if you do vaccinate, it doesn't last very long. Like we got to give it every year. Well, to me, that's in some respects saying it's not very effective. And I don't, I don't think it is because you just don't know which form of lepto is your dog going to be exposed to. And again, it's something that um, it is potentially serious. I mean, worst case scenario, it can cause kidney failure. So it's not like we want to, you know, poo-poo the disease. Um, it's caught early. It is treatable by antibiotics. You know, so viruses are not treatable by antibiotics, but there are antibiotics that will actually kill the leptoorganism if caught early enough. Um, but the reason I don't give the vaccine is I feel like, A, it just doesn't have proven efficacy because we just don't know that we're vaccinating against the, the leptoorganism the animal is going to be exposed to. And I, I do think it has a high, high rate reaction rate. Um, the big combination shots, and I see animals that come in that have had vaccine reaction many, many times. They've had a combination shot with lepto in it. Now, again, it's a combination shot, so I don't know 100% that it's mm-hmm. lepto, but um, but because it's it's not a virus, it's it's you know it's a different type of organism, mm-hmm. and I think there there can be a little more um, reactivity there in the body. Um, and I do have, and this is another, you know, kind of topic we don't have, have time for, I'm just going to throw it out there, is I also have homeopathic nosos, which are a form of homeopathic vaccine. So it's another way to build some, some protection without doing the true um, vaccines. It's 
it's on a more energetic basis, so you're not going to get an antibody level. You can't measure a titer. But that's what I use. If I have clients that really want to protect their pet against against lepto, um, they either have to go someplace else to get the vaccine if that's what they want, or we do the no-sos. If there's, you know, a report of, you know, some lepto cases in the area, um, I do the no-sos. So that's my alternative to helping protect animals without giving the vaccine. I'm so glad you brought up the no-sos. I actually forgot about them, that, yeah, those that is an option for people Um with that and what else would you like to say about them we have a couple minutes that would be awesome okay so you know no foods basically are they take um disease tissue from an infected animal so say in the case of lepto it would probably be from the urine so lepto is spread in in the urine and that and any mammal can get lepto too, by the way. That is another reason that makes it a little more serious, including people. So, you know, there's a there's a chance of transmission to to people and other animals. Um so they would take some urine from an animal that's shedding the lepto organism and in homeopathy we do dilution. So we take that in, infected urine and dilute it down to, you know, like one to ten thousand. So it's so dilute there's no actual biological substance in there that can cause disease, at that point it's having an energetic effect on the body. So then we give the animal the no-sode, and it essentially, on an energetic basis, the body says there can, there can only be one um, incidence of disease in the body. So the body says, oh, I've got this, I can't get it again. So little different approach than a typical, you know, antibodies are going to attack the virus, but essentially that's what it's that's what it's doing. There's only one susceptibility to disease. So energetically, we put that disease in the body in such a dilute form that it can't cause the disease, but then energetically the animal cannot get it again. And so how cool is it that the body reads that and can do that too? Well, it's you know, no, no, it, it does, and it's awesome. I mean, like, the body can yeah. read that and utilize it and yeah. and have that energetic shift. So, you know, that's awesome. It's awesome. It's, <laughs> it's, it's a harder thing for, you know, a lot of people to, to you know, get their head around. It's not mm-hmm. traditional medicine. It's not a, you know, it, it's not a, you know, scientific process like, like measuring antibodies where we actually can measure something concrete. Um so it's you know a lot of people will will poo poo it as voodoo and stuff. I'm a big believer in you know the energetic effects, obviously, or I wouldn't be you know wouldn't be using them. Um, so I do believe they they can be effective. It's just there's no um, you know there's no studies to support that, but mm-hmm. I I do believe that it, it can be effective. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. The knowing brain gets a little. Um... Gets a little difficult to wrap it around that, but absolutely. How cool is that? Keisha says, bring on the voodoo. <laughs> in the chat room, I'm like, absolutely, we love voodoo around voodoo here. Is, voodoo is fun, you know. Staying inside the box gets boring, right? You know, it you does. You've got to get outside the box to, to enjoy life a little bit. Exactly. And and I talk about it in different realms, but, you know, what if energy is our very first language? And what if the body actually knows what that is a lot more and a lot clearer than any vaccination that we've developed in the last 20 years? Yeah, right. Um, and I think in animals in particular, because, you know, I think in humans, our, our um, 
you know, our minds get, get mm-hmm. in the way, you know, and interfere with our, our energetic, you know, paths and our ability to to even feel our own energy and the energy around us. But I think animals are are much more responsive to energetic medicine because they're not sitting there thinking, okay, this is never going to work. You know, a person, right. if, if they get a, um, you know, energetic treatment of some sort and just really don't feel like it's going to work, it probably won't. Correct. Um, and I actually see that, you know, in, in actually um, animals, humans, if they really are not a believer that something's going to work, then, you know, sometimes I just won't go there because it probably won't. You know, it probably they won't, to, yeah. They, they transmit, the animals will pick up on that energy and, like, you know, if their people are like, okay, this is a bunch of voodoo, it's not going to work, um, I won't. And, and on the other hand, I have seen just, absolute miracles on the other end where people just so firmly believe, you know, my pet's going to, my pet's going to get over this. And in traditional medicine, there'd be no way, you know, be conditions that just would be very unlikely that you'd be able to help. And, and, um, people are so, so positive and so convinced that, um, you know, a certain, you know, therapy is going to work and, and it does. So I'm, I'm a huge believer in the energetic effects and in, in animals. I think it can, um, be a huge benefit for them. Yeah, what if your point of view creates your reality? Yeah, right, exactly. So today we've been talking about vaccinations with Dr. Judy Jasek. Um, you can check her out at uh, BellevueAnimalClinic.com. You can call her office at 303-875-0530. Um, listen to the show a few times. There's tons of information. Anything else that you would like the world to know? Anything we missed that you think is important? Oh. Boy, um, you know, I'm going to say, I guess I would just say one other thing is when it comes to your pet, I think nobody knows that any particular animal better than the people in its life and trust your intuition. You take your pet in for a vaccination and your intuition is saying, I just don't feel right about this, don't do it. If your vet's recommending something and you just don't feel right about it, you have the right to ask questions and believe your gut when it comes to your animal because I think you are you are your animal's best advocate and you should follow your instincts. Um, I have that same interesting point of view. You know, I'm here to empower people to know what they know about their animal. And and I, I tell people all the time, you live with them. What do you know? Like, <laughs> you know this animal. Right. So follow, follow what you know. Absolutely. So thank you so much, Dr. Judy. Um, until we meet thank again. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. How much fun can you have with your animal? Yeah. Thank you for choosing to listen to Dr. Andy's Animal Magic Radio Show. Dr. Andy will return next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 p.m. Central Time, 11 a.m. Mountain Time, and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on A to Zen.fm. We hope you'll join us. Until then, just how much magical fun can you have with your animals?